This morning, I was sitting on my roof smoking a cigarette when a cardinal landed just a few feet away. I had a few crackers left on my breakfast plate, so I tossed him one. This afternoon, I was busy writing so many poems that I didn't think I'd ever get the chance to look up. But when I did, there was an 88-year-old woman who sat with me and told me I was the poem after all. Tonight, I have been feeling cold and hungry and want nothing more than some sunshine, food, and wine. And I looked up to see you who laughed like the sun and reminded me of the time when I was the cardinal to you. And now all I need is a little wine to make life magic. JDB, October 28th, 2022, NYC. For Sarah and I, our trip to New York City last October was enchanted with lots of magic. This isn't uncommon hanging out with my sister, though. I would say that most anyone who gets the privilege to experience an excursion with my sister is thoroughly charmed by the end of it. Sarah finds the fascination in everything, whether something is purposefully quirky like googly eyes pasted on any number of inanimate objects, to an unpleasant encounter needing a certain transmutative reframe. Sarah is always down to practice her witchcraft, and I am learning to feel the same. Magic is a millennia-aged concept. Traditional alchemists, astrologers, wizards, and witches, love spells, curses, voodoo, and black cats. The enigmatic allure of the word magic conjures something that appeals to many, yet I think everyone experiences what they define as magic differently. For a lot of adults, magic is left behind in the runes of childhood. It's considered jejune and juvenile, best left to performance con artists with white rabbits at children's birthday parties. And when magic is acknowledged, it is usually through conventional means of magic simply being a genre. A TV show with dragons and gratuitous sex to turn on after working your 9 to 5. But for those lost boys and girls who never left Neverland, the sweet naivety of magic is all around. It seeps through the branches of a towering willow oak at golden hour. It presents as upturned pennies at opportune moments. And it roars to life through the quiet buzz of a working film set. Magic is a form of play, which is why, I believe, the term resonates so candidly with my sister. Sarah works in the movies. She's a movie maker. She makes the moves a lot. She's a director and writer and stunt performer and Irish dancer and editor and colorist and flautist and motorcyclist and aikidoist. And she hasn't claimed her title as an artist until fairly recently. But the creative magic that is inherent to her nature has always been, and perhaps even as long as the stars have been around themselves. She is a pinch of stardust, after all. Her magic extends as kindness and optimism to those in her circle, and even further beyond to those she deems as friends, which, by her definition, are any stranger with the potential to be befriended, or also known as the cars on a congested freeway. She actively practices gratitude, openly receiving what the incorporeal universe has to share, accepting what must be a manifestation of her needs, dreams, and desires. Perhaps the birthday party I most remember was not any of my own, but the Harry Potter-themed one which Sarah arranged just to receive an official letter of acceptance from Hogwarts to commemorate her official path into magic at 11 years old. I personally indulge in life's magic too, having been hooked on YouTube tarot readings and natal charts for the better part of half a decade now. One could argue, and I would be the one, that crafting raw material into something complete and new is a type of magic itself. But my nature is to find anxiety in the unknown or unexpected, to recoil from trying new things. But I have learned, in part because of my sister, to embrace the inevitable spontaneity of living. After all, feelings of anxiety and nervousness are nearly chemically identical to feelings of excitement and anticipation. The neural pathways are the same, it's just about the reframe. And I would know. I'm a biologist. <laughs> I found the universe has rewarded me in ways I could have never imagined, from touring with my musical pop star idol Mika to Freya 
my solid gray cat with bright owl-like yellow eyes, manifested herself into my life when I thought no other animal would be able to claim my heart. Actually named after a feline character in the magic-centric BBC show Merlin, she was nothing more than an alarmed kitty underneath a car squealing at unbothered bar patrons on a Black Friday night. She is now a conjuring cat in her own right, disappearing mysteriously between the hateful hours of 1 and 4 p.m. and wrecking havoc the rest. At least that's what somebody purred, which is incontestable proof. Yes, there is magic all around. It just requires rose-tinted glasses to see. Something that's not an insult, as many might believe, but rather an effort of self-kindness to rekindle the soft flames of one's inner child. That, and an alethiometer, of course, to see all the fine glittery dust along the way. So if my verbosity hasn't cast a sleeping spell on you yet, then cozy yourself up with your favorite potion, mine's matcha, and let's take one final carpet ride with Sarah this wintry season. Do you believe in magic? Sarah. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Laura. Bon matin. Oh, <laughs> merci, merci. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, we are in my newly partially lavendered <laughs> um, because we we did a lot of crafting the last couple of days. That's true. <laughs> Lots of crafting, not just one craft. I think we had four crafts going at one time, in addition to all of your crafts that you always have going on all the time. Um, but I came back up to North Carolina to our childhood home, um, where we were undertaking remodeling my bedroom into uh, a more like pleasant guest room sort of situation, which the big undertaking was removing all the cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> the room was painted like cream and then the sort of like burnt orange brown around the trim. Like a classic burnt sienna. Classic burnt sienna. It was giving, uh, the color was called cowboy, but the energy it was giving was cowtail candy <laughs> because of the the brown and the orange so it didn't really spark too much joy so i wanted to switch it to lavender with white trim and we got a lot done because there's a lot of trim in here um but we just have like the lavender up and then the primer but I've got a skedaddle to my, <laughs> to my hobby. It's okay. Just go ahead and leave. Okay. <laughs> I come in, I bring the energy, and then I do half of it. <laughs> and then I, I give, I turn the rest of the project over. <laughs> but I like the vibe. I like where it's going. You wrangle the data. I wrangle, I move the matter. I move some of the matter. You set it up for success. Right, right. <laughs> and I, like, entrust that the people who carry the rest of the baton will bring it to the finish line. 
Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it should be okay. I mean, you're probably going to be involved with at least some of it, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Probably. The main thing is just getting the painting done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll look really nice. Thanks for helping us pick out all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't really do much, but... (laughs) (laughs) So... My word for you, <laughs> which you have no idea what it I is, <laughs> even though you sent the invitation. I did send the invitation. And choose the word. I did. It's magic. Ooh, sparkle, sparkle. And I wanted to start this off by, so you see a lot of the times, I feel like the cliche thing like so how do you define magic <laughs> right let me pull up my webster's dictionary yeah. everybody loves to start with that personal definition which is good mm-hmm. and i think is valid at some points but i think we all know what magic is i feel like it's less abstract than some more broad concepts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> such as cadence for example <laughs> Some people, right. like, where does that go? That might not even be in some people's lexile. <laughs> I don't think so. But magic is something that you, that's one of the first words, well, not like the first word you learn, but like, <laughs> could it, be. it could be. It's it's definitely a word with the more youthful connotation. Right. It appears much more in younger audience. Yeah, totally. Geared media and stuff. So with that said, I would just like to know, what was the last magical encounter that you had? Oh, that's a really good question. Starting off with a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've sort of been trying to shift my mind into allowing more potential for magic in. Um, so I used to... I feel like I looked at things this way before, and I'm trying to, like, reintroduce that. But I've been trying to allow for anything to be a magical moment if it wants to be a magical moment. (laughs) So in a way, I mean, I mean, this isn't, like, the finished effect or anything, this room, (laughs) but just, like... I can see the potential for it to having, um, you know, uh, like purple's my favorite color. So having like a really calming and also authentic vibe to it. I feel like once it's all together and the room sort of like put back, I feel like that reveal will just like be a little magic moment. Um, so put sort of planting that seed for yeah. later since it's not done. A physical transformation is always kind of magical. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know where it came from, especially if you did the work, like, you know, where it came from, you put it in, you know, how far it's grown and come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Cause I just dyed my hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it looks great. Um, but no, I think that anything can be, uh, a little, magic moment i mean i i feel like i have little magic moments all the time like anytime i find um (laughs) anytime i've been finding pennies yeah see that was like another point i was gonna talk about later but we can talk about the pennies now okay let's do it (laughs) so 
The pennies. The penny problem. The penny problem. <laughs> the Philosophers. Penny, the, penny, <laughs> the penny paradox. The penny paradox. So what? So I guess just first, have you talked about the pennies before in depth? We've mentioned it. We've okay. mentioned it. So people should probably know what. Yeah. This is. So do you want to maybe just explain real quick what the pennies are? How long the pennies have been a thing? <laughs> right. <What? laughs> like why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So basically, for whatever reason, <laughs> in about May of 2022. I just randomly started finding pennies everywhere and not like literally everywhere, but I could it like I wasn't finding them before. And it's not like I started looking for them. They just started making themselves known. And so like it's it's cool to just like look down one day and like find a penny and it's like, oh, there's that. And I've definitely like done that before. I've had that experience where I look down and like, oh, there's a penny, like, what of it? And then, like, not picked it up. But I started, I guess, like, indulging in, like, the game of it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's a penny. I'll take it. <laughs> Why not? It's an offering. It's an offering. I will accept the offer. And so I started, like, just, like, collecting them in about May, which was, like, kind of ironic because also at that time I – um I had done my stand-in job. That was that was long done. <laughs> um, but I didn't have any like work in May at all. Like I didn't have any like prospective employment. <laughs> like so I was finding these like little tokens basically that are, were not worth anything as my main finances were going down. And so I found um that these pennies, I would find them. A lot of the time when I was actually like in a bad mood <laughs> and like allowing myself to throw a little temper tantrum or um, just be like upset about something, just in a bad headspace. And when I would find the pennies, um, a lot of the time they don't really mean anything, but they did like distract me from the whatever I was thinking about. And they actually really did put me in a much better mood which was funny. So, and I got this sort of like, I developed a penny sense. (laughs) So, uh, I could, there were a few times where I like felt like there was a penny near and then I turned around and there was (laughs) like one time at quick trip, (laughs) one time at quick trip, I was pumping gas and I was like there's a penny nearby and I looked (laughs) down and then there was a penny and then I was like wouldn't it be funny if there was another penny like when I turned around and then I turned around and there was another penny so it's just I don't know it's just a game and fun but they brought me a lot of um like joy I guess didn't we find a lot at one specific location in New York I I just remember finding a bunch of coins a bunch of coins. We definitely found one on the subway. Yeah. And you picked it up for me. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, look, it's over there. So when you find a penny and you openly receive that penny. Always openly receive the penny. Are you actively practicing magic in that moment? Yes. You're an alchemist. <laughs> I am an alchemist. I am a witch. <laughs> I am all the things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. I just feel like accepting 
something that doesn't like objectively have meaning or purpose. Something with a sense of whimsy. <laughs> that's it. Like that's <laughs> key. The whimsy is key for <laughs> sure. Accepting the whimsy, indulging the whimsy and like claiming it not as your own, like individually, like it's only your own, but that you're going to take part in it. I feel like that all contributes to the magic. And then like, since I now have all these pennies, I'm still collecting them this year. New year, new sock. (laughs) sock (laughs) But I have them and I feel like that would allow me to like make, turn them into something. Like I could make something with them, you know, since they're not worth anything. A penny floor. A penny floor. I think it's technically a felony, but a lot of people do it. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it's technically defacing money, but Mm. it's okay. I've seen it done. I've, you, I've seen it done too, and it looks really cool. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, magic all the way. So, if magic, if we're, if we're getting to defining it now, Ooh. we didn't start with that. No, maybe we now we can dip our toes Uh-oh. into If it's indulging the whimsy, <laughs> yes. Is magic just another word for your inner child? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, for me, I feel like those two words are very inextricably intertwined because I feel like with, you know, imagination and everything that kids are, um, like younger kids are sort of encouraged to explore that you just like have this whole world open for them. And it's not just one world. It's all of the worlds. It's any world you could ever think of or be brought to. And then, uh, and then we do the neural pruning <laughs> and like closing all the synapses or whatever. Um, like, oh no, you know what it is? It's like Will <laughs> in the subtle knife. Oh no. He's like closing the world. <laughs> It really is like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In each world, you pull off. It's literally harder. magic. <laughs> literally magic. And then it's like harder to get into them because they're closed and you need like some sort of tool mm-hmm. to get back in whatever that is. But yeah, if we're just talking about definitions, then um, yeah, I think if it's not synonymous, I feel like it um, it definitely, like that's where it, stems from like in order to have magic or to entertain or allow it in whatever form into your life I think you need to be in touch with the version of yourself that initially was able to conceive it and so a lot of people talk about losing their inner child as they age and then trying to find it again I guess that would mean that a lot of people lose their ability to interact with or indulge in magic as they get older. Yeah, I think so. Which is really sad. It I is think. sad. It's a sad sentence. <laughs> it's a sad sentence. <laughs> Ugh, we don't like that. I mean, because we grew up with the whole Harry Potter world. We did, like and prime time for Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> and that's all, obviously that's like fantasy, like traditional kind of magic like that, which is wizard spells, enchantments, things like that. Um, in a fictional setting, but it was kind of like a 
um, a direct expression of magic and sort of introducing you at a young age to that world, even though, you know, you can't turn someone into a toad in real life, even though you might want to. (laughs) You might want to. I would, actually. (laughs) I would like to do that. Right. (laughs) That's on my goals. You're manifesting. (laughs) Right. I'm manifesting toads always. Always. Well, that's the thing. I do manifest toads. Oh. Can we talk about this? Let's talk about you manifesting toads. (laughs) I do, because when I go out on walks... um. You know, when it's in season, I'm like, I'm not going to be a barbarian and manifest a toad to come out in the middle of winter. That'd be savage. That'd be so mean. That'd be so selfish. Yeah. I would never do that. Um, Laura loves toads. But I, I do. <laughs> I have a frog and toad Instagram. Yeah. Um, but every time I go out on a walk, I just think, like, before I start the walk, I, like, send a little, send a little vibe out there. <laughs> and I say... <laughs> Like, man, it'd be really nice if I could see an amphibian on this walk. Yeah. And Do you just leave it as amphibian? I, um. Well, usually I'll say, like, frog or toad. Okay. But I just want to be open and let people know that I like all types of amphibians. Yeah. Don't want to <laughs> exclude. Or just, like, any little friend. Right. You know, I've... So, so I've, I do that. And then I, I go out. <clears throat> and I see them a lot. Mm. I feel like I see them more than a lot of other people. Hmm. And maybe that's just because I get so I'm I'm I I know very much what a toad looks like at a particular time of night with this amount of light on this kind of sidewalk, like, the glistening, the glisten, like yeah. I know the form, I right? Because like, I get the call, the call, and- yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm just like I guess kind of skilled and. In- frog awareness but <laughs> they don't teach you that in school right they don't they really don't but frog awareness is a type of magic <laughs> retweet <laughs> and yeah i when i when i put an intention that i would like to see this i most of the time do it even happened one well several times actually not just once mm. where i was just i was uh not in the best mood but you know i was gonna go on a walk and so i didn't do my usual like intention at the beginning mm-hmm. but i remembered like halfway through mm-hmm. like oh i'd like to like see this because <laughs> i always <laughs> yes, that would be nice because <laughs> i always want to see a frog right um, that is the key yeah. like the con- <laughs> and the consistency. We always want to see the frog. Yeah. <laughs> and like like I I walk five steps maybe like one sidewalk mm. like block. Mm. Um and there's like the biggest toad like just in the middle of the sidewalk wow. just like there. And I I don't think it was there like cuz I like I said I can spot their form like at least 10 yards away. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I would have noticed. So you would have seen it. It just kind of generated as soon as I put the, the cheat code in. Yeah, it spawned. It spawned. Yeah. <laughs> the frog spawned. The frog spawned spawned. Um, so maybe your pennies are like my toads. I think I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly right. Your toads and frogs, amphibians galore, are synonymous with my pennies, I think. And so does everyone kind of have 
their own version of that. They just have to figure out what it is. Ooh, I hope so. I think, I mean, the potential is there for sure. Like, they're, even if you're the most, like, cynical person ever, um, I think you can find one little thing that you really love and just start. It's not like, you don't have to, like, lean super hardcore into, like, that, oh, I manifested this or like I like brought this into existence and it wasn't here before. <laughs> I think it doesn't have to be that. I just think that that's really a playful way to approach it. And I think it's fun and silly. But I think it's a sim- I don't think that's where the magic is, actually. I think the magic is just being able to observe something that brings you joy and to appreciate it no matter like how small it is. Yeah. 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 A lot of people, they, See change, they don't pick it up because why would they want a penny? Right, right. right. And I thought that you were talking about like, like growth. <laughs> well, a lot of people true. see change too. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're like, why would I want that? Right. <laughs> they just don't pick it up. That's, they don't pocket it. That's not for me. <laughs> right. The animal. Their crossing. pockets are full. <laughs> right. They need more pocket space. They need to like stuff the letters. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That's how you know you're a hoarder in yeah. Animal Crossing when you like fill up all your pockets and then you stuff the, all the open letters. Trying to explain the concept of how you can stuff a piece of furniture that's shaped like a leaf into a letter. Right. Is a little, and it turns into a present. And it turns into a present. That's true. Right. There's a lot in Animal Crossing that's magical, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, we were... Um, talking i also remembered that i guess my between the pennies and between like the potential that this room has i guess my most recent magical moment was when i um saw the moon the past couple nights the moon was very magical yeah i all like no matter what i think it's a full moon in virgo that's it that's why (laughs) my moon's in virgo that's your main sign yep 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 I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. No, but every time I see the moon, it's like, that's a magic moment for sure. Um, well, if we're talking about the moon. Always talking about the moon. I think for both of us, one of the most like explicit introductions to magic. <laughs> I think you know where we're going. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, Perhaps a junkyard. Perhaps my favorite place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, magical Mr. Mistopheles. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't have any like thing super particular to say about him other than he, he was definitely just like a very explicit introduction to like, this is magic. This is right. magical. These are the tricks he could do. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, he's like a talented young cat, but I, I think he is part of the reason now that I'm thinking about it, part of the reason why he's seen as so magical is he has this very like youthful, playful approach to yeah. everything in cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he is actually magical <laughs> because <laughs> can confirm because he does do like tricks, especially in the the. <laughs> the movie when we did the frame by frame of how he manifested Victoria <laughs> on the <laughs> right, yeah. But um, and he, you know, he has lightning and all these things. Oh but, yeah. But 
a lot of the the magic of that is just that he's so open to all of the whimsy. Yes. And and it's interesting because uh, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. But that's what like saves the day. <laughs> like the the magic and the the whimsy and the playfulness and the desire to just like try things out just because it's fun is what brings old Deuteronomy back. <sighs> the way I just got chilled. I know. <laughs> the way he runs up and licks. His no, I can't. He, I cry <laughs> like every time. It's so good. But, but I, I'm so, just and he's not, so proud of himself. I know he's so. Proud. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tugger starts singing slowly again. Um, oh. I mean, he sacrifices Cassandra to get there, but that's beyond the point. Well, he brings back. She brings back. <laughs> yeah. fine. No, but like, I, I, he really does, he saves the day with magic. Yeah, and that was like a very explicit uh, illustration of that right. concept, especially right. at a young age. Mm-hmm. He's the magic cat. They say it a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's what he is. Right. Um, so do you, like, how do you think Mr. Mistopheles, like, the character, or just being introduced to that, or just cats in general, mm-hmm. like, how did, do you, do you feel like you actively carry part of that influence with you in your perception of magic today? Just because we are introduced to that at such a young age, you feel like that definitely influenced you to be, like, more open to the whimsy um i definitely do because so cats is a a divisive musical for sure and i get it but (laughs) but i think the people who don't like it are just don't appreciate it perhaps they themselves are not open to the whimsy just putting that out there uh, but just to briefly contextualize it it's uh, it's set in a junkyard all in one location and it's just this group of cats who come together um, to hold what they call the jelkel ball and at the end of the ball um, they're basically or throughout the ball they're basically like putting themselves um, they're basically introducing themselves and like pitching why they should be the one who gets to go to the heavy side lair and basically see it's their culture. They they want to go to this place. Yes. Because the whole thing is cats have like nine lives. Right. So it's like, ooh, it's like a coveted thing to yeah. get to start your next life. Yeah. Even if you're still like a pretty young cat. Exactly. And only one cat gets chosen each ball and they have to be chosen by like the leader cat. And so really at the end of the day, it's a story about inclusion and acceptance and openness but it's told through the guise and style of whimsy, I think, and magic. And you're right. like All of the songs are. All of them. All of them in their own ways, which there's a lot of different styles. Um, all the styles. All the styles. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and each one is a little bit magical in its own way. But yeah, I think... Yeah, it's really interesting because literally in the darkest moment of the show, you need the most magic to bring the light. Like, literally, it's he's the little lantern. It's It might be the best, like, objectively the best number 
It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like so like by that point, because it's closer to the end of the show, like you've spent so much time with not we've with, heard of many kinds of cats. We've <laughs> all of the kinds of we think we're done. <laughs> um but then to and they're not like really like I don't know, like caricatures that you now would normally like associate with. I mean, maybe like when T.S. Eliot like originally wrote the poems, like it was more like obvious what he was trying to. Well, yeah, we were kind of talking about the other day. We don't have, well, for multiple reasons, we don't have railway cats anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, uh, especially. In America. Especially the railway part. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but like, a magic cat. Like, you don't have right. a, a cat, like, actively pra- process- processing, practicing <laughs> magic. Right, right, right. Um, like, in that kind of anthropomorphic way. Right. And he also is interesting because Mr. Mistopheles, uh, like, looks like a very... He's a tuxedo cat, but he looks like a very stereotypical, like magician he does it's such good character design to have yeah the magician be the tuxedo cat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's just everything about it makes sense and that, now that i'm uh, another reason why i really like cats everybody who hates cats is like like rolling over right now i know like, <laughs> oh i'm my forcing them to listen to this <laughs> um Another reason why I really like cats is because each of the cats have a very specific personality. Mm-hmm. And there's actually three adjectives that Andrew Lloyd Webber chose yeah. for each of them. And so every time they do like a new tour or cast or whatever, the, whoever gets, you know, the actor, they get told whatever those adjectives are. And they're told to like, okay, this is what your cat is. Embody those three throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember off the top of my head what Mistopheles is. I'm sure one of them is magical. <laughs> if it's not, I'm suing. <laughs> but Cats is very interesting because whether you're watching the 1998 version, which is the only film version, or any stage or live performance of it, you can pick a cat to focus on for the whole show, and you will they they show their personality the whole time, mm-hmm. especially because it's basically an ensemble piece the entire time. It's like peak ensemble performance. They're on stage always, and so you can always just watch whatever they're doing. And so Mistopheles, um, I, he kind of is responsible for transitioning. Like, mm. let's go to the next part. I'm excited for this next part. I'm welcoming it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's bring some light in. Mm-hmm. I want to play. Oof. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because after Victoria does her little moment... You know, it's Mistopheles who comes out, and he's like, okay, Jellicle Ball time, and he literally turns on all the lights. Right, right, right. A little tease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he has similar motifs and moments throughout. But now that I think about it, it's very uh, incumbent of what magic is. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think think that's right. Just he is the the manifestation of what magic is is not yes. just like um visually like he he's a tuxedo cat but yeah like in the he is the agent of change and he's bringing the light in and he's warm and accepting of it and all of the other cats in that moment like before his song except for tugger but they they're 
they've been in contact like <laughs> this whole time. Like, it's not really this far. Um, but all of the other cats in the junkyard at that time, they they've accepted defeat. And they don't know what to do. And they're, like, stuck. That's true. They're in this, like, stuck point where they don't, like, envision ever getting out of it. But then, you know, this one cat, Mustafelis, um, you know, finally finds a time where his play and his um, vivacity, vivacity, that word? Vivaciousness. <laughs> Vivaciousness <laughs> is is needed it's like really needed because all these people like they're so sad and downtrodden that they can't bring themselves up like they cannot face another um perspective they literally need to be shown the light they they literally do and so he comes in and he like literally brightens the world up and of course like does the magic tricks and like the show the showmanship which all magicians need to have um and you know all of that isn't just like surface level stuff. He actually does bring back Deuteronomy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he literally brings back Deuteronomy. <laughs> um, but yeah, he saves the day. And, you know, people like to say that, you know, like Victoria was the one who like saves the day with Grisabella. Like it's her up there. But like there wouldn't have been no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's kind of, you, you need all of them. You need the whole yeah. journey. You need the whole journey and also you need to like indulge the whimsy and then also celebrate each of the moments for what they are. And I feel like you can't appreciate the the twinkle lights necessarily if you don't – if you've only known the twinkle lights. I think that's one reason why people – the people who don't – they say they don't understand cats. I think that's – um one reason why they don't is because they cats is a practice in like finding joy in the journey it is because they tell you at the very beginning what the ending is like a cat is going to be chosen for this right <laughs> like it's not going to be a surprise like this yeah. is what we're doing like this is what is the objective yeah for this ball and so they they go through and they and they take their time mm-hmm. and they indulge you to the cats. They have play. Mm-hmm. It's not all work. They they take leisurely like side quest, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then they get they get to the end and they have their end moment. They mm-hmm. chose the, the cat. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's always a surprise every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Um, and I, I think people, they're kind of like, well, that's it. Well, it's like, you, they, they told you that from the beginning, but the, the whole point of it wasn't the ending. No. It was the journey. Yeah. yeah to yeah. get there. Right. And I, a lot of people are, I think are really goal oriented or like ending focused, which is fine. I kind of am too, but I'm working on trying to be more present and enjoying mm-hmm. the moment because when I watch cats, it. I'm, every every time the new number comes on, I'm like, this is my favorite part. No, me too. <laughs> yeah, like, no, this is my favorite number of the show. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm, and I, it, I'm literally so present in that moment because I'm like, okay, this is the best part and I'm yeah. watching it right now. Yeah. When usually with most things in life, I'm like, okay, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. But yeah. 
if we just get through this scene, then, yeah. like, the next part is my favorite. But then, you know, tomorrow is never here. Ooh. Because when tomorrow's here, it's today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're still looking for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cats is really, it, it forces you to be present. And I feel like being present is a large component of magic. And I feel like when you are present, you get to experience that magic through little synchronicities or signs, such as finding a penny or right. manifesting a toad. Right. So do you agree with my my whole thesis right there? I do because I think part of – I think part of it is just obliviousness when – I Oblivion. Oblivion. (laughs) 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 Like suck it into oblivion. Yeah, because I feel like there's – so there's the people who are like open to – magic and i would say or just like little things that spark joy however you want to phrase it um and i think that those people have to be or probably are at least um more present from time to time and or just have a like a practice of mindfulness or something that allows them to really enjoy and not rush through a specific moment like, to really consider the moment with all of their senses or as much, like, sensory um, involvement as they're able. Sensory appreciation, if you will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other hand, uh, the people who maybe don't have, like, a firm sense of presence, which is me, um, <laughs> then, uh, or maybe it's spotty. Um, or they're working on it, I feel like it's it's either preoccupation with, you know, all of the things that we inevitably have to do, like, that are on our minds, like, we're distracted from, like, I've got to make this much money so I can pay these bills, I've got to, like, wash these clothes, I've got to do these chores, I've got to, like, do X, Y, and Z. And so I think that, like, having all of those responsibilities and necessities um can take can distract you and maybe make you more potentially oblivious to and subconsciously reject any potential for little moments of joy because they're around seen, you. they're seen as a distraction yeah 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 like why they're not essentials like magic is I was going to say magic is not essential, but then my gut was like, no, it is. <laughs> well, that was a question I actually had. Is magic a necessity? I think it is for me because I there have been a few times where I've been talking with people and I've said something like that. Like I was about to say magic is unessential or it's not essential. And then um, there was another time where I said magic's not real. And then my, like, heart just felt really sad. My stomach just dropped when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think in that context, I was, like, talking about something magical. And then then I got a funny look. And then I just, like, tried to play it off. And then I said something like, magic's not real. And then I got really sad. Like, my – not – emotionally but like my heart got sad do you think it was a funny look because you used the word magic and it you're not a kid yeah 
Isn't that interesting? People don't even feel comfortable. Yeah. Using the word. Right. Unless they're talking about like a explicit street magician or something like that. Right. Well, I think that that's it. Like it becomes the definition or the breadth of the the word shrinks, I think, for a lot of people. Um, And it comes to only be associated with a magician or Harry Potter or Harry Potter, like whichever one you're most strong to, or like your culture is most influenced by. Like, unfortunately we don't have very many magicians roaming around. (laughs) No, that's not really like a a profession that you, a lot of people do. See, I was about to say you can do. And then I stopped because that (laughs) felt wrong because you can do that. You can be a magician. You absolutely, you have my permission (laughs) to take up a magicianship. (laughs) For sure. Um, But yeah, I think it's like the, like if you don't see it around you and you're not trying to actively invite it to be a part of you, um, I think you lose it mm-hmm. or it gets like put in a little box or something. So is it a muscle that needs to be worked? Is it a skill? Like if you're a sim, can you mm-hmm. up your ability to sense and practice magic? I think you can definitely open your mind to it. I don't know if it's a... A lot of people say, like, claim that they can, like, actively, like, invite and, like, manifest and, like, predict and have, like, foresight and stuff, which is cool for them. I've never really like, experienced that. The more um, traditional connotation of magic. Right. Whereas like, the conversation we're having is more of an abstract definition of magic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So in terms of conjuring... Like I actually conjuring stuff. I feel like that's more of like a a trick that you can practice. Yeah. But in terms of like um, inviting more magic into your day to day, I think you can definitely open your mind to it because you, you just have to like, I think it's, do you want to feel a little bit happier <laughs> it, yeah. on occasion, which the occasion part, like you're not expecting it, the serendipity. The serendipity want- of feeling better. Do you, do you want to feel unexpectedly happy? Yeah. At random points. Like yeah. you you're not going to know. And that's that's magic. That's magic. That's magic. Yep. I agree. I did um when I was kind of brainstorming magic. Mhm. Um really getting my gears turning. <laughs> when you when you actually have to like write stuff down and think of questions, you're like, "What well, what is that?" Isn't it a fun little process? It, it actually really is. Um, so I just started with, okay, fantasy and then like real life. So fantasy being things like, um, things in pop culture, like yeah. Potter that we're talking about. Yeah. Whereas real life is like everything that we have been talking about. Right. Um, but when I was looking at fantasy, there's like eight types of fantastical magic, mm-hmm. um, which are, oh, what is it? I can't read my handwriting. Oh, Transmutation. Con- conjuration, div- divination, enchantment, uh, echo or invocation, illusion, necromancy, and uh, I think that says abjunction. I can't read. It starts with an <laughs> conjunction, a- conjunction. Conjunction, conjunction. <laughs> um, but it, it was just interesting. I kind of went down a rabbit hole, like, looking, okay, what are these yeah. different <laughs> types yeah. of yeah, fantastical yeah. magic? Right. Um, and while necromancy probably isn't a thing. <laughs> 
Um, it, it is very, like, all, all of those things are actually quite historical because a lot of cultures have a, a very rich history of practicing things that we mm-hmm. would describe broadly as magic. Right. So voodoo, for example, or uh, tarot and astrology and things like that that we touched on. Um, and one of my favorite cards in, in the major arcana is the magician. Because the the whole aspect of the magician is manifestation and being open to the ch- the change and the new the new things coming in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you also? I know you also indulge in tarot a little bit. I do. I don't really know too much about it, but I do think it's a fun pastime. Do you appreciate the magician card as well? I do. I or do you have a different like? arcana card that you prefer yeah so i really when i see the magician card i think it's like i'm a simple person (laughs) i see the magician card i crack a smile um but i would say the again not that i know like too too much about it but i think the one i most relate to at least in this moment is still the fool yeah I mean, I think which is also playful. The fool will kind of always be here. <laughs> I am just always a fool. And the fool kind of matches the magician in a lot of different like ways. Yeah. Um, I think the fool is... I think the fool invites space for the magician to play. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the magician is a little bit more intentional. Yeah. So, like, the fool doesn't necessarily know what they need. They just right. know that they are open to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> they just know that they want to play. They don't know like what's happening. But yeah, right. They're, they're happy to be there. I'm yes. The magician's like, okay, yeah, I am happy to be here, but I want this specifically. Yeah. It's kind of like a like a slightly more grown up version. Right, right, right. Which I feel so I guess in some aspects I feel more magician like perhaps mm-hmm. in like some situations, like more or less professionally, at least in like the editorial department. I feel like I have an understanding at least how that works and I can kind of do some magic tricks um, around that stuff and get like a predict, like if I want X outcome, I can see that I have to do this step to get there. But with everything else, it's Mm -hmm. like the fool. Especially the day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I think longer term career things and ambitious goals definitely good to have magician energy but for the day to day i think it's really important to remain open and present mm-hmm. and that's more of like a fool energy yeah 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 and that's interesting too because i've been trying to invite more presence um into my life anyway anticipation is great for it's a great like um like cushion basically because what it's doing is um potentially like giving you all of these like problems to solve and so your brain naturally just starts solving the problem so that you don't have if when one of those problems presents itself then you don't have to solve it Mm -hmm. which is great but then that's like five or however many like different um problems but there's only actually going to be like one of those and it's not um and it's going to like 
splinter out into like other different things that maybe you thought of, but also maybe you probably didn't. So I've been finding that if I'm able to just be uh, like aware of what the immediate situation is, then I can try and slow down actually and make more decisions that align with the the moment. Um, and I feel less um, emotionally like attached to them, which is good. That I think kind of concept is really prevalent when I do creative things yeah. and make art. I find mm-hmm. because there, whatever project, whether it's sewing or crafting or making a collage or whatever or painting a room, um, there's always going to be some issue, <laughs> some problem that comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It challenges you to always, like, work through it, and I always have. Mm-hmm. I always found a way to fix it. Yeah. Um, whereas I think if I before, if I let my anxiety about, like, well, what if this problem comes up? And this problem, like, trying to over-prepare for all of the little things, it would prevent me from doing the project at all. Right. And I've found that uh, it's better to just kind of take the fool approach and slightly the magician like i would like this outcome with my painting and but that's all i'm gonna just start and see what happens and then we'll like figure out the steps along the way Mm -hmm. um and the steps along the way often are probably like tricks yeah like if you mess up something in your uh in any of your crafts like you make a blemish or something um like oh okay how can i cover this up yeah how can i like remove this and you like nine times out of ten i i mean honestly all the times you learn something from that Mm -hmm. um i mean i can't think of a time when i didn't learn something (laughs) from (laughs) just so big brain (laughs) just a big brain i mean (laughs) oh wait i can think of a time when i was a chaplain um yeah i just but yeah just adapting and not not being disheartened yeah i feel like if there was a spectrum there's like disheartenment Mm. on one end and then there's like enchantment on the other end wow yeah that's a that's a that's a really special spectrum there but it is Yeah. What would be in the middle? Apathy? Yeah, probably. Um, or maybe you have both of both ends, but they just cancel out, so you don't do anything. So kind of like a paralysis. Paralysis, you're, yeah, that's You're better. feeling really enchanted, but you're also feeling really disheartened. Yeah. Which I feel like might be something you relate to. Yeah. With that. <laughs> yeah, with your creative projects, especially growing uh, up. Yeah, that was basically my whole creative experience, basically just navigating the that spectrum because um, there have been so many times where I have felt really inspired to do something, which is – which you always feel inspired. I always feel it's inspired. Just, <laughs> it's, like, it's your open head. It's 
my open head. My human design. I have an open head. Um, Completely open. Which is great because ideas are like always coming and going and all this stuff. But with me, it takes a lot, for whatever reason, it takes a lot of energy to feel any inspiration uh, or to like catch catch them like as they like drift on by or the, like, you the, know what it is the it's falling like, stars like in house oh yeah it's like that or i was also gonna loop it back to animal crossing like the balloons yeah. like carrying the oh, presents literally- <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, get that's- my slingshot out <laughs> but you're you're like hurrying to get the slingshot yeah. out to shoot down that idea right you gotta put it in your first pocket yeah um but yeah, so I really struggled actually like fighting along that spectrum because so the times that I have potential to feel inspiration, infinite. The times <laughs> that I actually feel inspired, a lot less. <laughs> uh, a handful probably. The times that I've acted on my inspiration because I felt compelled to do so mm-hmm. and inspired action and yeah inspired action are just like like i can probably like pinch like a pinch of ideas a pinch of stardust literally <laughs> literally um and it it's just really it is disheartening because um I feel like the, I guess there's been like such a creative block or not even a block, but just like a pushback of why should I make anything if it's not going to remotely resemble like what I intend for it to do. Mm -hmm. And so I have sort of like pressured myself to just um, think of all of the ways that I can't do something basically in the way that I envision it going and then just never try and do it at all. And (laughs) that's not really how you get better at something. (laughs) No, surprisingly. Surprisingly. It's not your fault though, because as kids, if you weren't just already really good at it, then the adults around you would affirm that negative, that that limiting belief like okay yeah. it's not worth pursuing right exactly if exactly. you can't get into the olympics as an eight-year-old gymnast i'm not going to teach you how to do a backhand spring right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah and that's just kind of that's kind of how it was i think that that mindset is like opening up and changing a bit now or at least at least in as cities get bigger like there's more opportunity but it's it is really tough and then also with like creative projects too like even just my own projects um and for whatever reason i just never felt like i could do them so i didn't even though i just like had the ideas except for my i mean that's what all of my thesis film at school was about that's true like, I can that confirm struggle. that. I can <laughs> confirm that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with your podcast, which I guess we're on right now. Oh, my gosh. Um, Self-reflexive question. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about projects and not necessarily seeing them come to the cut together the way that you would like them for them to. Mm-hmm. Has your podcast come together the way that you initially, like over a year ago, hoped it would? Has it come together in a way that's better? Has it lacked in some ways that you wish it didn't mm. lack it? Like how how what how do you perceive 
your podcast and everything that's happened with it. Wow. I feel like answering this question, I feel like I'm talking to like I feel like the podcast is an entity and it I'm is. like talking to it. So I feel like You I, are. I just feel really <laughs> compelled to be nice to it. <laughs> um but no, I think that so the podcast is interesting because um it's really the only project that I've ever made aside from my thesis film at school that I felt was a true authentic representation of myself. Um, And the difference, I guess the difference between that school project and this podcast format is that the school project, though it was an authentic representation of myself, it was to serve um, like the school requirements. And so I was doing a lot of things to sort of meet those requirements and expectations. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is all great. And I really love how it turned out and everything. But with this podcast, I did the opposite while maintaining the same authenticity where I was able to. It's really the first project where I've been able to just like let go, I guess, of expectation Um, so, and everything that I've, like, developed with it, like, the, the podcast itself, and then the articles, and, um, like, the, Ian helping me with music, and everything like that, it's just to serve my purpose of healing myself, basically, Mm -hmm. um, from, and reclaiming, like, the magic, the whimsy, like all of these things that I like reclaiming things. Right, right, right. Um, not that like they were necessarily gone. It's just like reminding myself, like these are the things that we know that we like, or at least Dusting off we did a, like an old book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so since I went into it with that intention, um, I think that I've been very aware of making sure that every step I take is in accordance with that intention. Because if it's not, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not – because all of it comes back to is this play or is this not play? And so if it is play, then it is in accordance with the podcast itself. Um, But to – to answer it, like, more technically or, like, specifically, I really love how it's been panning out, um, sometimes literally. <laughs> I know. I was, <laughs> I was just looking at uh, a note where I was talking about film and TV, and then you said panning out. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, no, I really like – I really love how it's panning out. It's been challenging me a lot. Actually, the most challenging part about it hasn't been like the technical stuff like the recording the editing like that sort of stuff because I know how to do that and I'm learning more about like audio stuff as we go which I've always been sort of like nervous about audio (laughs) just in general I don't like audio to be honest I'm a visual person (laughs) yeah 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 um but the hardest parts for me actually have been recording my introductions but I feel like that's good practice for me to be present, actually, and, like, invite some of it's that magic. public speaking, even though yeah. you can do multiple takes and you're not in front of anyone. Right, right, right. They still take me a really long time 
to to do, but I am like happy with how they turn out for the most part. Um, but I wish I could get those to be a little more succinct. That's how I feel when I do voiceovers for my videos. Um, if I'm like running low on time or have something, I have a lot I want to say. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll write a script because then I I can get it all in. It's, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, but I, I've been trying to force myself to just record a voiceover, like, as we go. Yeah. Oh, that's really tough. Um, you, I got to say it all in 60 seconds. Got to hit all my points. Right. I have to not be flubbing it. I mm-hmm. have to, like, be <laughs> articulate when I'm yeah. speaking. Um, and it's a very good exercise. So mm-hmm. your, your intros are kind of like that, but on a larger scale. Right, right, right. I do um give myself I do a really good job actually at giving myself clean bites. Yeah, that's good. Um which I've noticed like I'll be like editing my intros like after I've recorded them for like a stupid amount of time <laughs> and uh I'll like need a conjunction or something and then I'll like for a second, I'll be worried that, oh, no, this isn't going to flow together. And then I'll just, like, play, keep playing. Mm-hmm. And then it'll, as I do, and then <laughs> it'll um, start, like, I'll have started that bite basically completely over. Like, yeah. Okay, great. I can just use that's, the last take. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, if you've done any kind of editing ever. Yeah. Or you just, like, make content or whatever. Mm-hmm. You really become attuned to everything that you'll have to do in post. Yep. <laughs> When, when you work in post and then you're also trying to do the production part. Right. You become really attuned to what you can do to make your life easier in post. We try to fix it in pre. Yeah. We try to fix it in pre. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and, and so I'll, I'll do the same thing. To, mm-hmm. Like, well, back when I would do YouTube videos, I would, you know, I'd like do an intro, pause, give it like a nice like like no audio coming in and then start again so yep. that we can like have a nice place clean to break cut, clean break yep it's easy to move the clips around um it just <laughs> i understand yeah 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 it's really helpful um and then the only other thing that's uh been a struggle for me and has prevented me from like maybe doing things a little with more expediency i guess has been actually reaching out to people mm-hmm. um, to invite them on the show. Because I think I was telling you for this season, half the people, I was like, yeah, they'll probably do it. <laughs> um, you included. Um, I was like, so I wasn't worried about that. But then the all of the other people, I it took me a really long time to even garner the courage to decide that I wanted to reach out to them. So why do you think that you were struggling with with asking if people wanted to be on your podcast is it because you maybe aren't as close in the ways that you were with the people in the first season i think well for the first season it was hard for me to do that as well but i knew the people a lot better like all of the people as a whole um but i think it's hard for me to ask for help in general i really because i i'm an eldest like, daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is synonymous with being hyper-independent. Right. <laughs> and so I'm so used to just, like, doing not literally all the things myself, but if I can do something by myself, then I will. And I usually prefer to do it by myself because it's more – usually it's more efficient. Um, you want it done right. You got to do it yourself. <laughs> I am the little red hen. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I think so it's hard for that reason just in general, but then um the like this podcast is so personal for me like because it's literally the only purpose of it is so that I can get back in touch with these things and it's in a way that I enjoy philosophically having these really abstract conversations for a, a lengthy at some like length of time um so I'm very consciously aware that it's a selfish thing and that when I'm asking somebody to be on it um it's it's because I like respect and love them, but it's also like forcing them to be in my bubble yeah. for like X amount of time to do this very specific niche thing that is just for myself. So it's like the hyper independence plus the the weight, I guess, that I perceive of that because I know that's it's a fun thing for me, but it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. So you, you think it's a selfish thing to be like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast for, you know, because it takes several hours out of their day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, usually like plan for it. And it's not like they like you planned for this, like in terms of like writing, but you're hosting it. Um, but um, what? <laughs> newsflash <laughs> but usually i i try and like smooth i try and sand the transition <laughs> and do we work our way up to a finer grit we do we're learning how, we're to, do learning that. how to do that good. yeah 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 but i try and make it as inviting as possible but i guess like overall it's like the the learning how to ask for the help and also to be confident about it because I'm running out of people that I know would do it for sure. So, and especially with the next season, which is not like 100% guaranteed it's going to be this exact way. Um, But if it goes the way I would like it to, most of the people, I'm not sure if they would do it or not. I think the only reason people would turn you away, though, just in my opinion, is if they just like logistically couldn't do it Mm. for time. I, I have a really hard time seeing anybody refusing you simply because they didn't want to i think a lot yeah. of people are, are actually very flattered that you want that oh my god you want me to be on the podcast <laughs> even if they work in like the entertainment industry mm. like you do which most of your network does mm-hmm. it's still you know kind of like oh you want me to be the talent <laughs> i am the talent <laughs> um i think a lot of people are you know, people like to talk, too. So I, I think the main thing is probably logistics. I, I have a hard time seeing people turning you away. Yeah. And I'm, like, warming myself up to that idea. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, when I've – I I've only had one, like, not – it wasn't even a rejection. It was just a non-answer sort of yeah. situation, mm-hmm. um, which that was fine. Uh, but – All of the other ones when I was, like, really nervous and, like, this nervousness of even just asking had been going on for weeks of me just, like, wanting to ask and then not asking and then getting the courage to finally ask. They've all said yes, that they thought it was a great idea and that Mm -hmm. they wanted to to come. So I've been having to, like, I guess convince myself that it – even though it is, like, uh, like not – emotionally charged but it is what it is like selfish thing 
to do, like to create, um, it's it's also like giving people space to to present themselves too. And you know what that is? What? <laughs> You're a courier of magic. You're like a little. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little Hermes with your wings on your shoes. Uh oh. And you're walk you're you're flying around and you're you're offering an opportunity oh. to sprinkle a little bit of stardust on someone. <laughs> <laughs> if I just use all of your branding. All of my branding in one little <laughs> And I've got like my my little owls helping me. You out. do have your little owls. <laughs> and people are flattered when you offer that because like we've talked about a lot of people have lost that sense of magic. And even yeah. if they haven't, for example, um, Joe has lots of magic. Joe has so <laughs> much magic. And he didn't necessarily, like, need more because he has a lot. <laughs> he generates magic. He generates. He's, He's a, a generator. generator. Yeah, I'm a generator. Right wow. Just, <laughs> um, but he didn't have he didn't have your magic. Ooh, that's key. Because yeah. what you do is you're offering your mm. own. You're you're offering an opening for all these your guests to partake in some whimsy, mm-hmm. and you're holding their hand and saying, "Hey, if you don't have your own magic yet, like you don't have your frogs or pennies, that's okay." I'll give you a little bit of my stardust. We'll have a little <laughs> magical moment, and then your 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 heart's now opened. And you can go, hopefully it inspires you to go find your own magic. That's so sweet. Yeah. But that's what you're doing. And I think that's why, like, that's objectively what you're doing. So I think... <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, put that on your resume. Um, so I think... So every time you ask someone if they want to be a guest, you're inviting them to partake in your magic, which then inherently invites them to explore their own whether mm. they have found it or not mm. yeah that is a really good way to look so at it. i wouldn't see it as selfish because you're kind of opening their door mm. you're a therapist <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> um <laughs> that was really funny i went from like this imagery like renaissance image like steampunk renaissance imagery right. of like opening up the um giant observatory window with this like giant telescope like looking at the stars to like a fluorescent like room (laughs) yes sorry let's go back (laughs) it was a joke it was a joke you are is her name celeste from animal oh yeah yeah the owl yeah and and the observatory Uh uh that's you wow and all your little friends are the constellations oh that's really sweet that gives me lots of good ideas to act on <laughs> for, like, further marketing and stuff. But, yeah, I see – I think it's probably a – it would be kinder to myself to look at it in that way or in a way similar yeah. to that. I, I wouldn't see it as selfish hmm. because all of these things are with other people. Right. You know, they're getting something out of it, too. Mm-hmm. They get to talk about it for a couple hours who doesn't want to who doesn't want to talk about themselves for a couple hours right and then like the fact that you give them a word like that is such who else gives people words people don't give words as gifts anymore you know the last time i got a word 
<laughs> I do. I do. Integrity. Was that the last time you were gifted a word? I think. No, I think it was kindness. Because oh. I was like always getting that. <laughs> yeah. No, but like the last time we were gifted words was at our elementary school when and, I got character awards. And Sarah, this is literally goes oh back to what we're talking about because it's the the magic and then the inner child and like the, that concept, like that's that that's socially acceptable for kids to mm-hmm. gifted a word. Like, yeah, this is you. But then when you get older, we don't do that anymore. No, no. So we lose that one aspect of magic yeah and i think it it takes a lot of recognition royal recognition (laughs) even (laughs) to um to see that quality to see those qualities in people it does as well um and it probably being on the receiving end of it i mean you can tell me if i'm wrong but being on the receiving end of it um i feel like it would at least be like it would raise a bit of intrigue or curiosity perhaps um when being invited to come talk about this because somebody associates you with this word for some reason yeah i mean that's kind of an uh you like you you can't replace that feeling like it's it's, <laughs> it's unique it's very unique <laughs> it's, and it's novel for a lot of people too mm um, but to have someone be like, hey, you're this word. And so we're going to talk about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you're ready to yeah. talk, like, we are ready to talk yeah. about Yeah. needs to do it. But I think, yeah, like, it's kind of an honor. And honestly, as someone who, like, is trying to develop a personal brand for career purposes, mm. um, like, especially in content creation, it's very useful to just like it's like yeah i know i i know i did crafts and i do craft right but it's different for someone else to be like okay you are craft right oh yeah because it's kind of like okay i am that so Mm -hmm. after like after being assigned that and doing that whole thing uh the quest (laughs) that that whole quest it's kind of like okay yeah i will adopt this into my personal brand Mm. because you set them you set me like farther on that track Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and you do that for each of the people because they probably think in their day to day like, yeah, I am that word, or they or they think about like how that word like really reflects, right? Them, at least in terms of their relationship with you specifically and how that relationship has altered their mm. life. I hope so because it's definitely like, I mean that. Those aren't the only things that I associate with these people, of course, but like <laughs> <laughs> some more than others. You are but. shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, the preposition is very, uh, <laughs> very, uh, you have to be careful with that one. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it gives people a lot to think about and consider. And if it's like, if it's just uh, a personal, thing like relationship that they sort of explore like in themselves with the word or if they associate it with me then that's cool but also um hearing people talk about the other words i think uh and they like see all the other words they like start thinking about how each word sort of like plays into their experience of just being just existing with all of this 
vocabulary abstract or not like mm. around them and using it to in accordance with how they live it's funny because um like around this time last year i was kind of like i hadn't done your your the podcast with you yet because right. i was on the second season um so i didn't necessarily have a word i don't remember when i found out what if my word i don't it was the summer it was the summer yeah so I don't know when you originally conceived of a word for me, but mm. I at least didn't know it like a year right. ago today. It was a secret. Yeah. Um, but this concept was kind of like introduced to me this time last year because when I had my interview with Mika, his question was, because you were like eavesdropping on the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I was in the kitchen <laughs> listening in. His question was like, it, it sounded like a kind of like a generic um, like job interview question, mm-hmm. but it was if you had to d- pick a word to describe yourself, what would you pick? Basically, mm-hmm. um, and I eventually said inspiration. Mm-hmm. That kind of stumped him at the time because <laughs> he was like, <laughs> was a pause. he was like, do you mean you're inspirational or like <laughs> do you mean that you like ins- you know whatever? Because he was but- probably. Thinking that you would pick an adjective. Well, yeah, you thought I would pick an adjective. Yeah. I, that kind of stumped him. He's right. like, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> but that was something I kind of had to come up with on the fly. But it, because it was sort of on the fly and I was being my most authentic self, it was true. Like, most mm-hmm. authentically true. And, like, right. ever since have, having that conversation, um, it's been really helpful for me personally. But, like, yeah, I do thrive off inspiration. I need that and i generate that and i receive mm. that mm-hmm. and so it's the same thing with your words that you assign to people it's kind of like i'm collecting them yeah so i've collected inspiration and now i've collected craft mm-hmm. like formally collecting it not just because it's like i know i've known that i've had these things mm-hmm. but it's now finally having a vocabulary and the confidence to be like yeah i am these things yeah 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 well i definitely knew that you had that um I saw you sort of like claim that when after you had that conversation right. with Mika because it was like it was so true like it was really confusing for him at the time <laughs> right <laughs> but then um like the way that you articulated it um it it just made it just made sense it just made sense <laughs> things about your Mika it just made sense <laughs> um but. Yeah, I mean, thinking back to even, like, again, back at elementary school, for me, I mean, I'm, like, I'm, I can be very sentimental and, like, moved and, like, touched by, like, all the little things. (laughs) But when I got those character awards, um, it just felt so special to have been recognized by my teacher specifically that they saw this trait of character in me enough in the past like x amount of weeks uh the nine weeks period to recognize me for this word specifically um and i mean that's like like they think i am kind <laughs> I'm fooling <laughs> off. <laughs> well, it's just kind of like yeah. wow, yeah. And yeah, it yeah. probably like I'm, I'm sure the teachers, a lot of them, try to be thoughtful with it. Yeah, I feel like maybe some don't realize because, like, they, I mean, they have to you know pick a kid for each. Yeah, you know? I'm it's sure a some, process. I'm sure a lot of them might have forgotten what it was like to if they well one if they had never had that as a kid. 
that right. they, they don't know yeah. what it feels like to be a kid and receive that. Yeah. But it's yeah, like yeah. really it means a lot. It meant a lot and it was celebrated. It because was celebrated. you got the the paper for it and you went to go stand up on the stage. But then um the couple days after you had a special lunch. That's right. In the cafeteria. The royal recognition. The royal lunch. recognition lunch. Yeah. And then in a, and you got your sweet tea and your I forgot cookie. about that. And then after lunch, um, and like the whole cafeteria like stopped and clapped. Like there was a whole little ceremony again. <gasps> Did you like walk in a line or something? Like you like you were like a special posse like coming yeah. into the cafeteria. Yeah. And then um after that you got like a little button mm-hmm. too. Yeah, you did. Like I'm a kid, a good character. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> and it was like so sweet and like so thoughtful and like celebrated over the course of because I guess at that point it was like a whole nine weeks period, yeah. like of trying to understand the word and like talking about it. And then um having like the chosen ones <laughs> like being celebrated for the word. Uh and then um, you know, like and it was always, like, an encouraging thing. Like, I never felt like if I didn't get chosen for this word versus that word that, oh, I didn't do that. It was just these are the people who are really representative of these words. And so we should celebrate them for doing those things and recognizing those qualities in them. And I feel I wasn't, like, trying to replicate that with this, but it seems like I am. <laughs> well, it seems like it's definitely informed you subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like... I guess it just came about because language, I feel, is really important to me and how, like, I understand things. How very Virgo of you. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like language is important to inform the perceptions and choices and experiences that we have. Mm -hmm. No, I I agree. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) <laughs> enchantedly enchantedly <laughs> um so have you had like okay if you had to like pick a moment oh man ever no <laughs> what, what, what would you say has been the most magical moment thus far on this season of let me play was mine the, epi- the first episode recorded for the second season? No, the first episode I recorded was actually Tanner's episode, okay. Character, and I recorded that in April. Wow, so technically the seasons have been since April. Yeah, yeah. Which is like right when the first one ended. Yeah. So it really has been the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since April. <laughs> <laughs> for a year almost. If you had to pick the most magical moment <sighs> yeah, relating it's been, to the podcast. Right. It's been so interesting because there's been more and more magic like around around each corner which is cool the pennies collectively are like like the 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 through line of the magic i think the motif the motif yes the penny motif um but like a play (laughs) yeah but i think i think the most like (laughs) saturated magical experience was when uh, I went on the first New York trip with Jay because she was going up there for work. Mm-hmm. She asked me to come, which was really nice of her, but I didn't think that I was going to financially be in a place to go. Um, so I was really hesitant about it. And I, because I, I, 
finances were not great. <laughs> we yeah. did not work. September. We, yeah. Um, they, and I was saving up to go to New York also with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really on the fence about it because I was sort of like, I've already planned this other trip. That's going to be my excursion, but Jay's invited me to this. So I, it was like going back yeah. and forth. And then I just decided that I, that I should go. Um, and, uh, part of it was because, um, I was like, since Jay was going for work, she didn't have to pay for like a hotel or things like that. So she was able to like those, I think tangible things like convince me that, okay, just go <laughs> just, it'll be fine. So I wound up going and I'm so glad I did because it was sort of like a let me play reunion <laughs> kind <laughs> of like season yeah. one, because I got there and the day that we get there, we like check into our hotel and um, Joe actually texts me about like a work thing because we were going to be working together again the following week. And he texts me like some details about the work thing. And then um, at the end of his message, he's like flying into New York. I'll see you next week. And I was like, wait, the <laughs> New York? Like the one that I'm currently in? <laughs> New York, New York or New York? Um, as in old york yeah (laughs) in england (laughs) which wouldn't be off-brand for him (laughs) that's true true. um but anyway so then like he was there we were there and then so like we followed joe and his and his friends uh like into the night basically (laughs) like we went to a swanky bar and then we went to um this italian restaurant and they got to meet (laughs) we lost some magic with the octopus but (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was a funny thing um but yeah so like they got to randomly meet each other and then like joe's friend knew mebin yeah, that's funny. I uh, that. Yeah, so that was really funny. Like I was there. I yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> so there were all those magical experiences. Um, and then Jay got to meet Brenton, of course, too, at the Met, <laughs> as one does. A magical place. A magical place. Um, and uh, a friend that I had, like, texted that didn't text me back, like, called me um but like we weren't close friends or anything but yeah. they just like called me and so we got to like uh chat and catch up for a little bit um and your whole <laughs> magical moment with mr uh financial district uh guy oh morgan morgan yeah yeah i made a new friend morgan shout out to morgan uh and got a little tour of the city and then i also um then I also made a poet friend. I was going to ask about that because this kind of um I feel like sparked the reason why we're doing this word today. It was uh, a big influence. It was a big influence. And I feel like, you know, magic you've always like tried to embody that. Um it's been something you've carried with you. But I feel like just like the word craft and inspiration have I've like adopted those now formally, signed the papers. Right. Um, <laughs> I feel like you've done that now with magic yeah. because of this guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when I was doing this season, 
I was like really, I was a little bit cocky actually mm-hmm. because I started off and I thought that integrity was going to be my word, like at the end, like right now, like mm-hmm. what we're doing. <laughs> but then I realized that just for myself, this is what made sense. I realized that integrity couldn't be my word because I've literally already been given that word. Yeah. So it had to be something that I found, which I hated because (laughs) then it's not like for sure I can't like Virgo INTJ like plan it out. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just like waiting for something to like present itself to me. And um, when I was in New York with Jay, I just had all of these like experiences where not only were they getting to meet each other, um, Jay, Brenton, um, Joe, like all these people. Um, and then we were also having just like our own individual experiences as well, like serendipity and all of that stuff. Um, but I was, I was just like warmly presented with the fact that I am, um, supported and encouraged by other people, especially the people who are um, on the podcast. And, um, the exposure to all of that just felt really magical. And I guess like the arbiter, I guess the magician. (laughs) Right. I guess the magician representation of that was uh, this poet who goes by JDB, who sits outside of the the Met. That's his office. Um, (laughs) Find him on Instagram at JDB. And he sits out there, like, every day. And I saw him when Jay and I, like, went there uh, to to meet Brenton, actually. And we asked if we could have – if he could write us a poem. And he said um, that he would, but it was going to be a little bit later because he had, like, a few that he was already doing. And so we went in – Brenton got there, so we went ahead and went in. I found a couple pennies at the Met. And then, <laughs> and then by the time we came out, he had already sort of like packed up his typewriter and had left to go do poet things. <laughs> um, and so I was a little bit sad about that. But then when I went back with you, uh, like a month later, um, he was there and I asked him to write uh, if he could write a poem about magic. And he did. So when you asked him to write that poem, because I, I remember very specifically, it's like standing there. Yeah. Watching you interact. Like, Can you write, write me a poem about magic? Yeah. When did you decide that was the word? Was it spur of the moment? Had you been thinking about it? Was it planned? Like, okay, I'm going to find him and ask him to write something about magic. Like, when did you first start being like, magic, magic, magic? Okay, this is really interesting because when, so my New York trip with Jay, I was the fool. My New York trip with you, I was the magician. See, and that's like a, it's a textbook how it should be. Right. You really like did the workflow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because So what happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah. So I basically, in my New York trip with Jay, I went in with all of these like fears and anxieties and like stresses because I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to be there. It's just that I had all this stuff that I was worried about, like on a tangible, like practical basis. Um, like, can like, I pay rent? Right. (laughs) Can I pay rent while I am in a different state? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and like doing all this stuff Um, and other things too. 
but while but while I was there, I was just like cared for so much um and saw that like people would help me like even if I was trying to be stubborn and be like no I can help myself Mm -hmm. like that type of stuff um and then also just like the energy of I mean everybody always talks about the energy of New York City yeah you said you spent a whopping like 20 dollars when you went with Jay I think overall I spent like 50 um (laughs) wow over the course of like four days in new york city yeah yeah because people just extended their kindness to you yeah would offer to pay for things or just not not because they just wanted you there yeah yeah and i think that that's what was it quality time is my love language yeah (laughs) or one of them um so the fact that they wanted me around (laughs) and also not that like, they weren't – I wasn't being politely tolerated. It was like, no, we would like you to come and join us. Um, really meant a lot. And I experienced that in a bunch of different ways. Like, I got to hang out with Jay on set mm-hmm. and, um, like, met some cool people there that I wasn't expecting to meet. And then, like, getting to experience uh, New York City as, uh, like, with independence instead of being, like, the in a work group. trip. The work trip, the ambiguous producer's assistant. Yeah, asking a PA to get you a ginger shot. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of new experiences and such. Um, but I don't know. I was just like, I guess what it is, is that I went in with all of these reservations, but I was also open to any whimsy to come in. And because I was able to let it come in and I could see that the... Um, I had this unresolved, like, open loop with this poet mm-hmm. um, because I, we didn't actually wind up getting a poem mm-hmm. from him in that first interaction that I needed that to be the side quest yeah. of our trip. And so did you... Cr- did you determine the word magic like before we went? Was it when while we were there? Okay. Yeah, it was... Um, well, because I was really thinking about just how the trip with Jay went, and it was the only word I could think of it was magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and of the sort of serendipity. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting yeah. how everything informs one another. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask um, the the poem, how do you interpret it? Mm-hmm either generally or specifically or do you take it literally do you take it just kind of um whimsically like not necessarily like oh this is a red thing and it means this you know like yeah not having to be super analytical with it are you just right. more like taking it face but like how what does the poem mean to you yeah so i tend and to... what did you feel when you first read it too yeah versus now right 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 well, I'm so sentimental about, like, written word. <laughs> you don't need to talk to me about sentimental paper because that's my whole brand. That is your whole brand, for sure. Um, and I am a little bit overly sentimental and a little bit of a sucker for anything that is poetic. Yeah. Not necessarily that is literally poetry, but anything that I think has a poetic nature to it, like was crafted essentially. Um, And so 
I obviously like commissioned him to write it. So it's like he was writing it because I told him to write it. But um, when I approached him, I reminded him who I was and everything because we had interacted before that and he remembered. Um, Like having him remember that was really important to me because I felt like it was going to close the loop. Yeah, it Um, it was kind of all hinging on if he recalled you or not. Right. I was kind of like anxious about it. I know, I was too. I was nervous. (laughs) Um, Because it's like, did this mean as much to you like as it did to me yeah 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 so because he was able i was able to get him to remember that and like genuinely remember it not like forget yeah like just like yeah i remember that sure um now when i read it and when i read it then um it just like it reminds me that or it encourages me that the magic is alive mm-hmm. like it's it's there um, in some ways, or at least it was in that very moment, mm-hmm. um, because that was a moment of connection. It was a moment of serendipity. Mm-hmm. Um, I and also it came like he's a good writer, so it also comes from a place of. Um, and he just like whipped that out. He just like <laughs> casually typed it in like a minute. <laughs> yeah, there's no backspace on the typewriter. <laughs> no, yeah, it was just crazy. He just like goes. Um, but also he asked me what he, what I wanted to, it to be about. And I told him just like magic, serendipity, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to understand, like take that experience basically and um, immortalize it. Yeah. So it's like a shared moment captured forever, basically. So it makes I me get happy. It. That's, I mean, that's how I feel about all the little things that I save. Mm-hmm. Like the ephemera if you will yeah or immortalizing them in a more permanent piece of art or mm-hmm. whatever it is whether it's a poem or right collage or a short film right or um whatever so it's and it's interesting too because i could pick up on the uh magicality <laughs> the mid the magicness the magic of that the moment magic, yeah. of that moment like i could feel it was like almost kind of palpable mm. so i'm glad that you got to experience it, it was very satisfying because it did feel like okay we we tied that loose end right we right, left right. him before but now we can close that back yeah 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 we can close it in a way that's helpful to me and to him mm-hmm. hopefully and he'll he probably now will definitely remember it yeah because now he's had that second interaction right exactly that second exposure mm-hmm. um so just pivoting a little bit we don't have to go like super in depth with this but i just wanted to touch on it so you work in film and tv allegedly <laughs> <laughs> um and magic has always been something for film and tv especially because you know effects and you, you can do whatever you want and there's stories to tell and the movie magic. The movie magic. So I just wanted to ask, um, what is your favorite film that sparks magic? It can either be like literal, like Harry Potter, you know, like this is magic, or it could be something that that has magic, but maybe not other people would see mm-hmm. it in the way that you see it. And then in, um, in addition to that, do you have like a favorite effect preferably like a practical effect because 
<laughs> I don't I don't necessarily consider green screen magic, <laughs> but I mean it's like forced magic. Yeah, it's like forced magic. Um, but if you had a favorite effect or uh, I don't camera shot, I know the, the Elmo and Grouchland one is uh, it's oh pretty, my gosh, yeah. that one's but so good. Just in, in media, wow. These are tough questions. I think the um, it's always so hard for me to pick like a like one film to rule them all, like representation yeah. type thing. But I will say. So there's different types of magic in terms of a fantastical element that is really good with blending fantasy and reality Mm -hmm. in like a beautifully like heartbreaking, but also enriching and enchanting way, I think is probably the fall. Yeah, I agree with that. I've only seen it once, but I I remember it vividly. Yeah, because it 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 is literally very vivid. It's (laughs) magic incarnate. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it's like... It's so beautiful because it's one of those films where the structure is, um, like, the people, uh, there's, like, the reality of the situation in, like, this hospital where there's two patients, a child and uh, a man, uh, and the man is telling the child stories. But then they are the characters in the stories. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, half reality and then half in this fantasy world, and it's just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the most representative of just, like, fantasy magic. But then I really – I mean, of course, I love – in terms of immersion magic and, like, presence, um, I mean – Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty good. It's, like, a toss-up between that and then – I was gonna honestly like the Dark Knight. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I get it. Because like that's kind of like with cats for me. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch the Dark Knight, it's like, oh my gosh, I love this scene. This is my favorite scene in the yeah. movie, and it's like that for two and a half hours. Things that force you to be present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of like production design and set, like set mm-hmm. deck and like movie magic specifically, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings for sure. Um, because like epitome of like filmmaking as a whole yeah i think the practical effects are just like all of it they they came and they did their duty they did and then in terms of like moving and like resonance magic Uh everything everywhere all at once for Uh sure um and then in terms of like effect so digital effect Mm -hmm. my favorite thing to do because you can't really see it if you do it well is compositing so not like not green screen compositing but like when you have a usually ideally a lock off shot and you're just like swapping um, pieces of one shot to to mask over um, like, uh, parts of another. Sherlock. Right. When they lots of their transitions. Yeah. 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 Um, or even just like taking booms out of shots or yeah. like things like that because it's so minimal. And like if you do your job right, you'll never know. Yeah. They'll never know. Literally an invisible art. Yeah. Um practical effects i mean the practical effect in elmo and grouchland is like 40 with, with the yeah. washing machine yeah. great yeah my professor chip hackler shout out to chip i think he was an assistant camera on that i think at first stacy um or maybe he was the camera operator he was in the camera department but he basically created the shot where elmo um is looking into this washer and um because he's washing his blanket and then blanket <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so we have the shot of Elmo looking into the washer, but then we have the the POV 
shot of the blanket looking at Elmo. And so it's like spinning. Uh So that's a pretty good shot. But I love any shots where you get um, either an interesting perspective or there's a lot of movement in it, like camera work. No, I agree. Those things are very satisfying. Yeah. Especially to see all the craftsmanship behind and how how many people are needed to make something. Yeah. Uh, Like anything stop motion. (laughs) Right. Yeah, literally anything stop motion. That's the, honestly, that's the most impressive cinematic art form for me, um, Mm -hmm. stop motion. Um, The only thing I don't really, I mean, I don't like a lot of things, but the only in live action, just like generic live mm-hmm. action stuff, what annoys me is just generic coverage. Mm-hmm. Like start with the wide movie. Yeah. The- <laughs> There's no stylized aesthetic shot. Interesting yeah. shots. It's like all the scenes are cut the yeah. same. Um, I don't know. Just it doesn't keep me captivated, I guess. Yeah. Because it's lost the magic. It's lost like right. what would make it stand out from yeah yeah it's missing the perspective and the authenticity which i think is magic Mm -hmm. it's following a a proven um formula for media but yeah not necessarily a very interesting or authentic right the classical hollywood cinema approach right (laughs) (laughs) do you have like any um older like i guess old hollywood films that you still that you think hold a lot of magic? Yes. I love Some Like It Hot. Yeah? <laughs> I love Some Like It Hot so much. Oh, my gosh. It is such a hoot. <laughs> like, even if you don't typically like screwball comedies, mm-hmm. it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really want to say too much about it, but it's, like, so worth a watch. And it, like, lives up. Mm-hmm. Um It's just really – it's just really silly, mm-hmm. which is also – it's playful. Mm-hmm. It's, like <laughs> – funny yeah it's a good time so i really love that and then i just watched for the first time uh roman holiday Mm -hmm. and i that one was one where i was nervous about like how it was gonna go because they seemed like they were setting it up for one sort of ending and then i wasn't sure if they were gonna like do the ending or not Mm -hmm. um but i will say that i felt like i really embody like, in this moment, I really embody Audrey Hepburn's character at the uh-huh. moment, or just, like, her her zeitgeist of whatever she was going through in that movie. Um, but I also really – I was really touched by, like, how um, how the story went mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what it did and its, like, integrity and everything. So I would say that that has some good magic to it, too. Mm-hmm. You say good magic. This is another question Uh-oh. I want to talk about. <laughs> Is I just wanted your opinion because I, I I was thinking about this abstractly and I was like I don't know what my answer would be. Mm. Is there bad magic? Is magic inherently a good thing, or is it just neutral? But most of the time it's good. Like what have you had? Have you had any experience with bad magic? I'm like just <laughs> I so I think it's a neutral thing. Okay. And you can, like, put whatever perspective on it you want to. Okay. That said, I think there are definitely times when it's not, like, it's not, you're not doing it the right way. Okay. <laughs> or, like, it's not being, um, like, it could have been something better and it's not. Um, as an example, like, a vague example, there's been a couple times where I thought that, like, friends would click or, like, I've been trying to 
put one friend in a different like context or like in a different circle or something Mm -hmm. or, or to like try anything. And then it just is obvious to me. Like I can feel it in my heart that it's not working. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like so much guilt about like exposing both of them to this like stress. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's quote unquote bad magic Mm -hmm. because it could have been the other way. Yeah, Like it could have been like, wow, look at the serendipity of like, like Joe and Jay meeting or like Brenton and Jay meeting um, where it's like, oh, it's great. Now we're all friends, like Mm -hmm. that type of thing. But it backfired. It's kind of wishful thinking. Yes. Versus like actually letting go, letting things take their Yeah. Goal. So that brings me to another question, um, and that's can you influence the magic in your life or does that negate the inherent magic of mm. it? Like is is the serendipity of magic like critical for it to be magical or does trying to influence it like that yeah. kind of take away from – Well, I mean, serendipity, I think, is just an element. I don't think magic is dependent on the serendipity Mm -hmm. necessarily. Because we did say the magician has intent. Yeah. So I think, like, it's just as magical of an experience to be like, I'm going to conjure this. Yeah. Or, like, I want this, so here it is. Yeah. Or I'm going to create this existence for myself, Mm -hmm. and then you do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's just as magical. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's equally as magical to like have things appear um mm-hmm. and sort of present themselves to you mm-hmm. and some if, and if you're not used to that i mean which you wouldn't be if it's serendipitous yeah um <laughs> then then those things i think are important to acknowledge or to observe mm-hmm. um but i don't think either is necessarily less magical mm-hmm um, I should have talked about this with the film when we were back a couple topics ago. I just want to, I, I just, I can't not. Okay, great. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to um, point out like a specific genre of magic that mm-hmm. I feel like you appreciate, but maybe other people don't necessarily appreciate, um, necessarily appreciate, which is magic in the absurd. I love the absurd. Or quirky or lowbrow. And so... The thing that I think of most is Marcel the Shell's shoes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a that to me is a very absurd absurdist like magical experience. Mm-hmm. Everything about it, the mm-hmm. conception of it, mm-hmm. the production of it, the story of it, mm-hmm. the product of it. Um I just wanted to hear, like, do you have your I know you like the absurd. <laughs> I Google love the absurd. Things. Yes. Um so do you you also try to seek out magic and in those kind of little nooks that other people don't necessarily i don't know what they wouldn't necessarily think of magic at first yeah yeah no that's a good way to look at it because i i think i do like because i mean i i can easily find like the whimsy the fun mm-hmm. the entertainment value in something small mm-hmm. um like the googly eyes motif and <laughs> marcel Lachelle and like all mm-hmm. of that like i can be like thoroughly entertained by little things yeah like that for sure um but i learned the first time that i went to la actually mm-hmm. which that's a whole nother topic about absurdity but <laughs> that's true <laughs> but i went to the I was, like, going to the museums while I was there. So, like, I went to the Getty, you know, did that. Um, Went to a couple other places. And one one realization that I had 
was that I I'm actually a pretty like decent fan of modern art actually. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> Which is like kind of divisive yeah. because a lot of people like hate it or think it's stupid. Which a lot of it is stupid, but that's why I like it. Yeah. Like there is this one modern art. The moment I realized, I, <laughs> the moment I realized I liked modern art. Yeah. So I went to the modern art museum in LA mm-hmm. and there is this big museum wall. And on the left side of the wall, like bottom left corner, um, there was an outlet. <laughs> and there was something plugged into the outlet mm-hmm. and it was this cable like this extension cord basically um or like yeah extension cord and it was like up and down up and down like very tight like zigzag mm-hmm. like coiled yeah. basically together like up and down up and down probably like eight feet up the wall and then I down know how you like your your cord wrapping <laughs> right <laughs> yes um and so i stood there and I let my eyes read this cable, basically, mm-hmm. um, up and down, up and down, like, across the whole wall. It took me about probably, like, 30 seconds, mm-hmm. which is a long time to just, like, stand there. Yeah. Um, like, going up and down, up and down against this wall, all the way to the end of the wall. And at the very end of the right side of the wall, this cable was plugged into a single light bulb. <laughs> And I was like, I get it. <laughs> I get it too, because we talked about that. The journey and being present in the moment. Yeah. Going along with the twists and turns. Right. Um, you you have your intention to light the light bulb at the end. Right. But you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there, but you appreciate each step of the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that art exhibit is cats. Yes. <laughs> Final like, answer. Why can't people understand this? <laughs> right. yeah no that's good i I like yeah modern art can definitely be kind of quirky and absurd um and i like that you appreciate it yeah um i definitely was like my tastes are still like renaissance and pre-raphaelite and you know kind of maximalist yeah and it always will be but i feel like i can appreciate i definitely appreciate different modern Mm -hmm. things too They, Mm -hmm. they have their place and i understand like the context of them I've been th- like I, <laughs> there's something I've been thinking to myself recently is you know the older I get the more I understand performance art <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah um so I a lot of people they're really quick to dismiss modern art with like that because like it's pointless mm-hmm. like what do you like anybody could do that but it's like you didn't though right they did it they did it because they had the whimsy mm-hmm. and to do it and mm-hmm. like to let the magic let them do it yeah um so it comes back to like losing your inner child especially if you're quick to judge like art exhibits like that right and the judgment i think is the boundary it's the limiting belief and everything mm-hmm. it's like what holds it restrained you yeah from indulging so i just wanted to close this off with um how can listeners one discover what's magic to them Mm. how can they find their pennies how can they find their frogs and two continue to invite it in wow well first i think you have to want it to come in genuinely genuinely and you don't have to like it doesn't have to be a specific thing i think it can be as easy as 
identifying either things that you loved and lost, mm-hmm. like that were sources of true joy and or not even just joy, but like meaning, poignancy. Um and not even like energetically attracting them, but opening your mind up to inviting them into the spaces that you're in. Or if you do have the energy, maybe putting yourself in those some of those spaces, mm-hmm. like where more of that is able to to come more easily. Like if you're looking for more magical moments in nature, maybe go take some walks. Right. Like, and look around, like don't look at the ground, look at the world around you. One thing I like to do in addition to going to take walks is um, if I'm in a, like a building I've never been in before, I look at the ceiling um, just to like see what's up there. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you never know. Yeah. You never know. And sometimes places have really cool ceilings. Yeah. just like look, or literally just some, look around. Some even like, I heard the Sistine Chapel has a pretty cool ceiling. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like five star Google review, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think like in general, just like look around and treat. You can even treat it like a little I spy mm-hmm. uh, adventure. I love I spy. I know. <laughs> um. Because you don't really. You're not going to regard something as magical if you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And if it if you don't see it, you're not going to feel it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to I think it's just as magical to put yourself in those experiences where you know you will get a magical return on investment. Like a concert. Yeah. Like a concert <laughs> or you could go see Cats Live. Yeah. Or like me when I go see everything everywhere all at once. It's like it, I know I'm signing myself up for therapy. It's a, tr- <laughs> it's a tried and true magical encounter. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, like if you, if you don't want to guarantee something presenting itself to you, then just – Go put yourself in the situation mm-hmm. where you'll have that experience. And also um, surround – do your best to surround yourself with people who want to let the magic in. Um, not just for them, but to share it with you as well. People who don't try to stifle it or make you feel immature for it. Right. People who encourage you. Yeah. And enchant you, not dis- yeah. dishearten you. Yeah. We want to be enchanted and we definitely don't want to be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think we should start saying that more often. I think so too. Enchanted to meet you. Enchanté. Enchanté. Well, I hope that people now feel inspired to go. Either chase that magic if they know it's a tried and true method or they're needing a little pick-me-up or just be open to receiving whenever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, too. All right. Well, that's that's about all I have for you. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much for indulging my magic and letting some of your magic rub off on me. <laughs> We're just 
spreading our stardust. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm excited to see this room glow in its new coat of glory of magic, too. <laughs> lavender glory. The lavender glory. The lavender lake. The, the lavender lake. That sounds very magical. And yeah. Ethereal. It is very, like... Very last unicorn. I was about to say, it's very unicorn in here. Yeah. Now. Your collage. Yeah, I'm working on her. <laughs> She's my priority when I... Did you take it back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lady of Lavender Lake, it was enchanting talking to you. <laughs> Magical as always. Hi, friend. It feels like I'm hosting a party and have invited you along and have only just now gotten the chance to talk to you. So it feels a little bit rude, not gonna lie, but <laughs> I'm glad that we finally caught up with each other and have this little chance to chat before we go off on our separate journeys and ways for a bit. The very sweet conversation you just heard was between myself and my enchanting little sister, Laura, who very kindly accepted this side quest of hosting the final episode of Let Me Play Season 2. I knew she would do a chef's kiss job, so I was very grateful to her for accepting the challenge and jumping in on the play. If you'd like to hear more from Laura, you can actually check out Let Me Play Season 2, Episode 4, Craft, because it is all about her, and it's such a fun episode because we don't stick to just the subject of, like, arts and crafts. We actually explore a lot of somatic crafts, too, and when we recorded it, it was right after she got her professional mermaiding certification, so you can hear all about the mermaiding community in that one, too. To set the final scene on Let Me Play Season 2, it is St. Patrick's Day, which is a bit of a magical day for me, and I am sitting out here on my lovely screened-in porch, listening to the rain, and just taking in all of the, the beauty of the buds coming in and spring starting to show. Of course, I'm in the midst of some low-key St. Patrick's Day celebrations. I've got my fairy lights and candles all strewn about. I'm cooking some corned beef right now, and I've got an Irish fog latte and the rest of a bottle of Guinness that I didn't use for cooking sitting here with me, keeping me company. So I am all in good spirits. I am also planning to watch the Banshee of Inna Sharon tonight, so I'm very excited about this very Irish day. I think it's fitting that I am recording this today because I was sort of waiting to be inspired, which if you've listened to Lara's episode is sort of the opposite of her approach to craft making and creation. She's just teeming with inspiration always. But I was sort of waiting for right time, right moment, or at least a moment to present itself. And I think it has. St. Patrick's Day is a fun little holiday for me, not because I really like to go hard in celebrating it, but more so because I associate it with Irish dance, which I always wanted to do when I was little. I was entranced by it, fascinated, always wanted to do it, was watching Riverdance constantly, trying to learn the steps, but didn't really get the chance to study it more closely and regularly until I went to college 
I didn't really see any clubs that spoke to me or that I really wanted to invest a lot of money or time into, but I was walking around and keeping an eye open and I thought to myself, you know, it would be really cool if there was an Irish dance club here. And then I turned around and there was a booth for an Irish dance club. (laughs) So I joined immediately and I stuck with it all four years. I was actually the president of it my junior and senior year. And it was honestly the highlight, I think, of my whole college experience. It was definitely the through line and the thing that I always could fall back on and look forward to. And what I really loved about it was learning the crafts, learning the steps a little bit about it, but also the community performances that we got to do both on our campus, but also in the greater community. So we got to be in the St. Patrick's Day parades and we got to go to retirement homes and classrooms and festivals. And it was just a really beautiful experience for me. Casually doing Irish dance at school became so big a part of my life that when I graduated, I really missed it and was really sad that I didn't get to do it anymore or study it anymore, especially since I felt really that I had only just scratched the surface in what I knew because I had never studied or competed or did any of that growing up. So when I moved to Atlanta, I looked all around and I eventually found a school that had adult classes and was able to start taking some there. And they were really hard at first because I knew enough to be in the intermediate and advanced classes just because I'm good with rhythm and can pick things up relatively quickly emphasis on the relatively, but they were really hard because I never had studied all of the other variations of the dances before. We had only really done just soft shoe, real step. We hadn't really been able to do hard shoe because we couldn't practice with the hard shoes in our gym at school. So we did a little bit of soft shoe, a tiny little smidgen of hard shoe, and I had done no competitions at all, so I had no idea what that was. But now I've been part of the school for a couple of years, and I am finally starting to see the growth in myself, and my teachers are recognizing the growth that they see in me, which feels really special and I feel a lot more inspired to keep learning about Irish dance and to keep learning about the culture and to find a way to navigate it that works for me and keeps me going and excited about it because chasing Irish dance and giving myself the chance to create in that environment and to learn those skills not only has given me elite calves, <laughs> but has also made little me really, really happy because that was something that we always wanted to do. So St. Patrick's Day by itself is magical and lucky and special to me for those reasons. But as Lara mentioned, all of Let Me Play and season two specifically has been a big exploration in inner child guidance. Apart from learning the tools on sort of mindset strategies of, you know, how to invest in myself or how to be more present in what I'm doing and less shaming and 
all of these wonderful skills, the direction behind all these choices has been made by little me. And honestly, all of her choices have been very therapeutic. They've all been bangers, no misses. (laughs) She's doing great. And giving her the space to play and to decide what we are interested in genuinely and what we want to learn more about and what we're curious about and what we want to create and who we want to create with and spend time with has been really healing and I feel a lot more whole and attuned to myself and all of myself just for even trying. I've also found that since I started on this quest I've been a lot more in tune with my emotions For a while, I was using an actual, like, emotion wheel sort of tracker um, to sort of figure out where my emotions are coming from and what they mean and understand why I might feel a type of way about a situation in the moment. But now, it's not always as important to me to name the emotion and understand where it's coming from as it is to just let myself feel it. And I've been feeling a lot of emotion the past week. I mean, I am a bit hormonal, potentially TMI, but I do think that it's coming from a space of openness and receptivity and wonder and whimsy. Because really up until the past year, I would say, my emotional expression has been out of hurt and heartbreak and various forms in between that. But now, for the past year, I've cried more times than I think I ever have, probably since I was a toddler. But all of my tears have been a beauty. And I'm not gonna lie, I do feel a little silly that I'm so easily moved to tears these days, or at least in the past week. I think literally this past week I've cried every single day about something. (laughs) Um, Not all like big, very dramatic Disney princess cries. I really haven't had very many of those in my life, but more so just like misty-eyed or like pulling on the heartstrings, like those sorts of moments. But I much prefer these types of beautiful cries as opposed to the cries of hurt because I just feel so much more connected to everything. So I guess I felt like I was missing connection before either to myself or to something grander or more magical. And now I'm on a path to to having some of that and it feels a lot better. But I do think that the key to my unlocking of my magic and my ability to be moved not only by fantasy and storytelling, but by reality, what's grounded, what's presenting as real, is my willingness and ability to find my worth. Because there is something real to be said about the uh, the worth to magic pipeline. I'm not really sure what exactly the connections are there, but I will say that once I was able to label what I'm calling my worth, like my inherent 
desire to care, actively care for myself and begin to only put myself in situations where I truly wanted to be there and was interested, I found that not only I recognized it, but it seemed like the whole universe, multiverse, all of the verses around me recognized it as well. And so I was suddenly surrounded by similar situations, but with people who wanted me to be there and appreciated what I was contributing. And in my professional pursuits, I got to work with two companies who paid me my highest rate that I've ever received, which felt really good for all the work I've been putting in. One of which was a company I wanted to work with since I moved down to Atlanta and found out about them, but hadn't yet gotten to cross their path. And that one also wound up being my golden ticket into the union and to stability and hopefully more exciting opportunities to come. So I am immensely grateful for all of those things, and it's very serendipitous that they only started happening after I deemed myself worthy in being able to receive. As is the pattern for this podcast, I'm hoping to have a similar structure for next season, which means that I don't know what my final word will be yet. It is something that I have to find, but I am at least hoping that the glow up between magic and whatever that word is or will be has a similar feeling or projection as the one did between magic and worth. I will say that I've done a lot of reflection on magic in myself and in and around me just in the ordinary day-to-day life and what I've noticed most consistently is that when I choose to do something scary the scary thing has a lot more potential for magic to come play so in addition to taking walks and looking at ceilings and all the other silly things I mentioned chatting with Laura, I would encourage you to maybe do a little more of what scares you if you want to let some more magic in. Because if something scares you, then it holds some significance to you, and it probably means that you care about it a lot. So go explore the scary, explore the unknown, and see what happens. You just might surprise yourself with the things you find. I've been increasingly scared throughout this whole Let Me Play project endeavor throughout both seasons, and I've been okay with being increasingly scared and labeling it as fear because it gives me measurable growth to track my fear to confidence in each of my endeavors. And the environment where I'm most consistently fearful lately is training parkour because I never know what we're going to be doing and I am also still the only person in the class. So all of the pressure is on me, but it's a very fun environment. So it sort of takes it away. And I'm always surprised with all the things that I'm able to do. In fact, yesterday, I did have a very magical moment because I had an inextricably mopey and lethargic day. Like, I didn't really get anything 
major done. I wasn't very productive and I just wasn't feeling confident in myself or my abilities when I got to class and then the gymnastics class that I have right before it. (laughs) But I found that when I got to these classes, I felt so much better and so much more playful and it definitely put me in much better spirits. But when I got to parkour class after tumbling and my coach said that by the end of the class I was going to do a Kong vault, let me tell you, the way my heart dropped (laughs) because I had built this skill, this Kong, up in my head as being insurmountable to me because it looks like it requires a lot of technical skill and strength in areas that I'm not particularly skilled or strong in. And so I immediately expressed my fears and made it very obvious that I was scared of doing this, but was going to try because I wanted to. And so we spent the whole class just like working up to it in like little baby steps. And it was perfect because by the end of the class, I was able to do my first Kong. And it was such a magical moment because I didn't really even believe that I had done it. I sort of did it and then I turned around and was like, did I, did I do it? <laughs> I guess I just didn't know. And then as all, as I'm coming to learn in parkour, everything is very aggressively celebrated, which I love that culture. So it was aggressively celebrated. And then, um, I wasn't able to do it again in that class, but I, I am spirited to do many more, but it just meant so much to me because I was able to do this thing that I didn't, I really didn't think I was able to do. And to be confronted with this challenge, literally, after a day where I felt honestly a little worthless, or that the day had been a wash at least, was really special. And so that was one of the seven times that I've cried this week. So that was my most personal magic moment of this week, but a few other magic moments have presented themselves this week as well. The first being that on the day Laura and I recorded this podcast, I drove back to Atlanta, and on my way back, I saw that this other podcast that I listened to uh, released an episode on magic, so I went ahead and listened to that. The Sunday after I got back, it was Oscars night, and of course, I wept every single time that Everything Everywhere All at Once won. So within the first 30 minutes of the show, I was a mess. And then completely by chance, but actually in a similar theme, on Wednesday of this week, I was making my usual rounds of going from Aikido to the gym and then to go sit in the sauna after my post-workout workout. And I've come to learn that you never really know what to expect when going into the saunas. Sometimes it can be really relaxing and quiet. Sometimes it can be really full and energetic. But this time it was just me and one other lady at first, and all of a sudden she hopped on a phone call with somebody and was just really upset and distraught and broken and hurt. And of course, this was none of my business, so I don't really know what was going on, but 
what I did hear her say that really resonated with me was that she felt she had spent so much of her life giving and giving and giving and that her kindness and her generosity and good character had more often than not been taken as weakness and not as strength. And in this moment where I happened to cross paths with her, she was at a visible and visceral breaking point where she had to call up somebody that she was upset with and set the boundaries then and there in the sauna, no matter who was around and in spite of any shame that could have existed. Even just being in the vicinity of this exchange that I had nothing to do with was a really powerful secondhand experience. And the way that she was talking and felt compelled to speak and the hurt that I heard in her voice just really resonated with me and resonated with Waymond and the whole like fighting with love and being and your kindness being mistaken for weakness and just all of that. It was like all coming together in this sauna at like 10 p.m. (laughs) And so from my outside bubble, I guess, I was grateful for two things. Uh, One of which was that a mage-like character walked next into the sauna and just gave this woman space to express herself and sort of strictly comforted her, which she seemed to be accepting and appreciative of. And the other thing which I was grateful for on a personal level was that this whole exchange happened in the setting of a sauna because that way nobody could see the couple of tears that may or may not have leaked out of my eyes amongst all of the sweat. I didn't wind up talking with this woman. I didn't really feel it was my place as a stranger to insert myself into this very real and heartbreaking moment that she was in. But my heart did definitely go out to her and I hope that things get better because she definitely deserves it. So those are just some magical moments that I've collected over the past week or so. But over the past 10 months, I've collected quite a bit more. And I'm not going to go down through an exhaustive list of everything magical that's happened to me because I'm glad to say that that would be a pretty long list, actually. (laughs) So you'll just have to trust me there. But I did want to tell you about some of the treasure chests I've found along the way. So over the last 10 months, I've found that just as I've strengthened my body, I can also strengthen my character. I've found that the people marching along with me are just as important as the cadence I'm marching to. I've found that even when I'm confronted and tested, my intentions, speech, and actions all tend to align, and that, for the most part, my integrity stays intact. I've found that as a multi-passionate individual, I am absolutely enchanted and entranced by a plethora of crafts in a variety of mediums, and 
that instead of giving one up for another, I should instead make space for them as I can because as I'm pursuing them, I feel the most sparked. I've also found that when everything is happening everywhere all at once, it's probably best practice to be kind, to fight with love, and to stay present, especially if you have no idea what's going on. I found that shame has been my oldest friend and that I appreciate what it has done for me, but that it's no longer working out, so we should love each other from afar. And I found that when I let shame go, I make space to believe in myself and to reflect on the path that I've traveled so far and the many paths that I could go. And I recognize how faithfully I've traveled. I've also found that change can be hard, it can be uncertain, and it can absolutely be scary, but it doesn't have to be. And often, when change is welcomed and not antagonized, it makes space for growth. Through all of these findings and through my adventure activities and through the people that want me to play with them and who play with me, I have relearned that magic is real. To answer Laura's question, which I hope you'll answer too, I do believe in magic because magic makes me feel like me. And like all of the books and trinkets that we took down from my mantle in preparation for painting, I'm so very grateful to have found, dusted off, and rehomed my magic. Before we all fly our separate ways on our magic carpets, which, a side note, magic carpet is my favorite character in Aladdin, I do want to let you know that I am hoping for a season 3 release of Let Me Play in late summer, early fall, but again, I have no idea what to expect, so expect the unexpected. In the meantime, though, you can keep up with my questing on Substack, where you'll get an email from one of my courier owls each time I post an update, and you can follow us on Instagram, where I have fun posting random pictures of my various adventure endeavors. If you'd like an additional side quest, I recently discovered that on Spotify, I can add questions to each of the episodes, at least if you are using it in the mobile app. So I've put in questions for each of the episodes that I think you can answer to. So it might be cool to see if you can get a little group, a little group philosophizing going on in there. I don't know, but it is there and it's ready to play. And while you're there or on whatever platform you're listening on, you should follow or rate or review or whatever the platform lets you do so that you are notified when our next leg of the quest begins. Until then, make sure you get some good rest and are fed and watered and are 
creatively and psychologically satiated so that when it does come time to play, we can all go make magic together. So now that the craft has been completed, I'll just go ahead and give myself the award for best job playing. And if you'll indulge my acceptance speech, then we'll wrap up. So thank you so, so much for an enchanting second season. I've so enjoyed having you all along on my quest and I've loved seeing more friends listening and encountering people in the wild who are listening and seeing how the spirit of Let Me Play has inspired and affected them. And I hope that that spirit continues as our quest moves along. Thank you to my sister Laura for hosting this very special season finale episode of Let Me Play Season 2. And again, if you'd like to go get crafty with her, you can check out her episode 2.4, All on Craft. A big thank you and warm hug to all of my other guests for playing along with me and indulging my many abstract questions and for believing in and creating with me. Thank you to my brother Ian who rewrote, remixed, remastered all of the music for this special frosty season. Thank you to my senseis, my mentors, my coaches, my new teachers and friends and instructors who have helped me grow in all of the adventures I'm seeking. While I'm up here, and without fear of being rushed off the stage or cut off by music, I might as well also thank the Daniels for making the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, because it literally inspired me to change the way I navigate my life. And it also broke my heart in all of the ways it needed to be broken in order to heal. And above all, thank you to you. Yep, you for questing with me and for believing in my magic. I can't wait to see where our magic carpet rides take us next, but until then, thank you so, so much for playing.